Welcome to the Love is a Trip podcast, where two life coaches talk the ups and the downs of love. Come enjoy the ride with Ash and Dash. What's up, everybody? We are back for another episode, and we're excited today to talk about adventures in dating post-divorce. Ooh, are we excited? I mean, <laughs> I mean that's a good question. I mean, you know, yeah. I mean, it, okay. it is exciting. It is. It is exciting, you know. So we're going to. Let me not start off like that. We're excited, y'all. <laughs> we're excited. Yeah, I mean, you know, we, we both know that dating after divorce can be a challenge. So we're not going to act like it's uh, it's an easy thing to do. But there is a way to approach it in a way that you can do it successfully, in a way that it's stress-free and is not as bad. I tell people all the time, I know they say that the dating pool has pee in it, but I'm like, change your mindset. You are not the only you that was created. That's right. what I tell people. And you are also in the dating pool yourself. Exactly. Right? So what are you saying about yourself when we talk about the right. dating pool has pee? Yeah, because I ain't swimming around in pee, right. bruh. So... <laughs> Yeah, so um, maybe we can talk about how or if we're approaching dating differently since being divorced. What is your what has been your experience like dating post divorce specifically? Well, dating post divorce for me has been a little different because the things that I wanted prior to divorce versus you know when I was dating back then uh, versus when I was dating now, the things that I look for are very different. Um, I think back then. You know, I was in my early 20s, so the things that I was looking for was, is he cute, you know, <laughs> do I have fun, does he have a job, you know, that that kind of stuff was a, l- a lot more, you know, kind of surface level. Now I look for deeper things. I look for um, how committed they are to themselves. Are they okay with therapy? Um, how did they grow up seeing love exhibited for themselves? I look at... Um, how, how do they treat themselves? Do they take care of themselves? Um, I look at how they treat other people. If we're out on a date, um, I look at how I feel. I'm, I'm really big on communication. So I like to be with somebody that I just genuinely enjoy talking to because I'm a big, you know, talker. I love to have great conversations. So a big thing for me is being with somebody that I don't get tired of talking to. Mm. So, and that was not something that I focused on when I was in my twenties. It was more so just that we have fun together. Mm -hmm. But now I have, I look beyond just having fun. It's, is this someone that I think I can grow with? Does this person make me feel when I'm with them, like I'm myself Mm -hmm. or do I feel like I'm holding back? Mm -hmm. If I don't feel like I'm completely Ashley, then I know this is probably not my person Mm because the person that I want to be with is somebody that makes me feel like I can be me. Like Mm -hmm. I can laugh. I can make my jokes. I can, I can show up and talk about the things that I'm thinking about. I can talk about the things that I'm afraid of. I can be vulnerable with. That's really important for me is being with someone that makes me feel safe to be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. So those are the things that I really look at when I'm assessing, is this person someone that, I want to entertain in my life. Mm-hmm. Those are some of the things that I look for. And then I also, I think one of the big, big misconceptions, at least it's for me, I don't know about other single mothers. I think I make it very clear to people that I am not looking for another parent for my children. Mm-hmm. Um, I let them know that they have a mother 
and they have a father that support them. They have a village of people that are there for them. I am not expecting anybody I date to have any responsibility to the rearing of my children. Mm -hmm. And I make that very clear when I'm dating because I think that's what a lot of people think. A lot of people that I date, when they see me with kids, they automatically will think, oh, God, well, I got to be the step-parent. No, you don't. Mm -hmm. (laughs) No, no, you don't. Mm -hmm. They have a mother and they have a father that is responsible for their rearing. Now, of course, I want you to like them. You know, I want you to be kind to my children, but I'm not expecting you to raise them. Mm-hmm. And it may be some other single parents out there that feel differently. But for me, I do not put that expectation on the person that I'm dating. Mm-hmm. That's good. So you kind of have this list of green flags now, yes. things that you're looking for mm-hmm. or non-negotiables, things yes. that are important to you. Yes. Yeah. I would say I have had sort of similar in that my expectations or the things I'm looking for in dating have changed. Okay. Really, I didn't date a whole lot before I got married anyway. You know, I talked about Mm -hmm. growing up in the church and being uh, taught this courtship model. And, you know, dating wasn't something that was even encouraged, Mm -hmm. really, or taught. We were just supposed to look for someone who's a godly person and then marry them. Right. Right. It wasn't about looking at someone's character. It was like, do they fit these boxes of, you know, going to church, knowing scripture. Right. That like believing the right things, quote unquote. Um, but it wasn't a lot about someone's character. Mm-hmm. And so I would say now I'm looking at someone's character and really focusing on that because mm-hmm. I know that's how I'm going to have the healthiest relationship. Because for a while I wasn't necessarily interested in being married or in a long-term relationship again. Mm-hmm. Initially after my divorce, I wasn't dating at all. Um, but then I got on the apps January, 2020, mm-hmm. you know, a couple months before <laughs> the pandemic hit. So that's been an interesting experience, mm-hmm. but throughout from then until now I have really refined kind of what I'm looking for and like what I ultimately want, because I allowed myself to ask the questions like, do I want to be married? Do I yeah. want to be in a relationship? What do I want that to look like? Um, and so I'm much more focused on, I think for everybody who I interact with, you know, what does your character look like, right? Like whether or not you say you're a Christian, that's not <laughs> going to be a qualifier, but are you emotionally mature, mm-hmm. right? Are you able to be honest with yourself first and foremost about your emotions and how you're feeling? Like, do you have a healthy emotional life? Mm-hmm. You know, do you know how to take care of yourself in that way? And then for me, one thing that's really big is for someone to be sort of anti-oppression. Mm-hmm. So if someone is, racist, homophobic, misogynist, yes. um, transphobic, any of those things, um, and they're committed to upholding that or, or not, if they don't have the ability to understand those systems and how they interact with our relationships, you know, on an yeah. individual basis, that's going to be really hard for me and, and really a non-negotiable because as a black woman, there are so many ways that I'm oppressed in the world and I need for someone to not only be able to understand that, but not contribute to that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And we're all working towards that. Right. Nobody is perfect because these things can be internalized as well. Mm-hmm. But we should I want somebody who is going to be aware of those different things because I really need that safety. Yeah. Uh, in relationships for sure. So those really are the big things for me. I know those are kind of like. <laughs> but I mean, that's, I that feel like that falls right in line with yeah. my personality and yeah. the types of things that I look for. Yeah. For yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I did get on the apps. I don't know. So like, what is your dating experience been? <laughs> Have you been on the apps? 
how like kind of how have you dated? How does that look? Okay, yeah, I have been on the apps. Um, when I first got divorced, and I st- I took some time off because I after my divorce, I I think I went about three years with no dating, no nothing because I just really wanted to focus on healing and. You know, I still had really, really young children, and I just kind of wanted to just focus on them for a little while before I, like, hop back into the dating game. And my first online experience was on Match. And, baby, <laughs> oh, that Match. I had to get off. Um, oh, no. Girl, because um, I, I was getting cussed out. Wait. Yeah, I was getting cussed out. Um, And I don't know if this is still – uh, a feature on match. But when I got on, um, you know, you can set your profile up and, you know, you say, you know, what you don't want, what you do want. And then, you know, people message you. Okay. So I would get messaged by people that were not even close to what I said I wanted on my profile Uh and match had this function to where it, it got a read receipt on there. So guys would send me messages and if I read it, but didn't respond, they would proceed to cuss me out. Oh yeah. Um, and so after about three or four consecutive days of being called everything but a child of God, um, I said, you know what, this isn't for me. I'm going to go ahead and get off because the, the last guy was a a, a good old deacon, Uh, a deacon cussed me out. Oh yeah, girl, baby deacon, deacon cussed me smooth out. He was 75 years old. Mm-hmm. And, um, <laughs> wait. <laughs> wait. <laughs> uh-huh, yeah, he was. And at the time, I was even younger than, you know, my age now. So this was like fresh, uh, you know, three years post divorce. And so, you know, I was kind. You know, I, I replied back and I said, you know, thank you so much for your message. You know, unfortunately, you're not really in the age range that I'm looking to date. Um, at this time, but you know, thank you for the compliment and I wish you well on your journey to love. Baby, he cussed me out and told me, you know, it wasn't his fault that the Lord had blessed him to live for 75 years and that, oh, then he told me, you know, I can hang just as uh, tough as these 35 year old men that you date now here. I'm like, sir, 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 you are older than my father. No. Absolutely not. Like, yeah. And so I got not only from him, I got uh, cussed out like consistently. And, and I was like, well, because at first I was like, well, maybe it'll be rude if I don't respond. So I was responding to the message and then I respond and then they would get then they would cuss me out and be like, oh, you ain't as cute as you think you are. And then I would proceed to get called all kind of bees. I, I got told to go kill myself. Wow. And I said, wow. okay, um, I'm going to get off match. So I deleted match, got off of that. And then I've been, I, I kind of just didn't really do too much online dating after that. And then when Bumble came about, I started using Bumble. And I like Bumble because it allows me to initiate the conversation. So I'm not getting a lot of people that I have no interest in. So we have to match and then I can say hello. And then mm-hmm. we start the conversation. Mm-hmm. So my, my dating experience so far has been mostly positive. You know, I've had some, some crazies come along, but I think I have, a, I've developed a really good crazy filter okay. to where I can filter crazy what's pretty your, quickly. What's your filter? Um, I have certain things that I, some certain questions that I ask to filter crazy. So the, my first Thing that I do is, you know, at first you're talking just on the app. 
So I ask, you know, your basic questions. But if you think about it, a conversation is like playing tennis. You know, I hit the ball over, you have to hit the ball back. And if I ask you certain questions and I can tell you're not you know, hitting the ball back in the relationship tennis that, that it, and the conversation of tennis, you know, then I know, okay, this is not good. You can't even hold a basic conversation. Mm-hmm. So if I say, um, how, uh, good morning, how are you doing? And they respond, fine. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, are you going to say, like, ask me, how am I doing too? Right, you know, right. so I look to kind of see, What's the cadence of the the text message? I look, if I'm the only one asking questions, then I say, okay, well, you haven't asked me not one question about me. So clearly you're dating from the perspective is I need to be more interested in you. So this Mm -hmm. seems like I'm going to be dating you and you not dating me and this Mm -hmm. not be a a one-sided thing. So I usually will X people off that way. Then I ask questions like, um, this is a big one when was your last relationship and how long was it for? So if they tell me um, my my last relationship was like 30 days ago, then I'm like, that's too fresh, mm-hmm. you know, unless it was something that was like really quick and it's, you're not even thinking about it in 30 days, you're not over whatever that was. Mm-hmm. And it's a likelihood that person still kind of lingering around and mm-hmm. at night may send you, may hit you with the, Hey, big head, or hit you with the WID. You'll be like, okay. I'm at our spot. And next thing you know, you're running off to relive, you know, the moments with them. So I usually will not date people that are too fresh off of a relationship or a divorce. If you've just been divorced, if you've only been divorced for maybe a month or two, then I'm like, Ugh, you still have some healing to do. Cause even if it was, the right thing to get the divorce, there's still a healing process there. Yeah. And I don't want to be involved in yeah. that. So, you know, hit me back up when, mm-hmm. you know, you've kind of d- dealt with that. I do not date people that are separated mm. that are just like waiting to get a divorce. Nah, that's, that's not it. Uh, I also ask, um, do you have friends? Cause I mean, but, I mean, even though that yeah. sounds like a crazy question, I have met guys and that, don't have any friends mm-hmm. and I don't want to be your only friend. Yeah, you shouldn't be. I shouldn't be. And then if I'm your only friend, what happens is I'm going to feel some type of responsibility for your entertainment, yeah. for your fulfillment. And then when I want to go out and be with my friends, you're going to be like, well, I guess I'll wait till you get back. Yeah. You know, I don't want to get hit with these guilt trips that I'm not spending all of my time with you. Right. And that has... Uh, it says a lot about someone's relational maturity, yes. right? Like, do you understand that your romantic partner shouldn't be the only person that's fulfilling your relational right. needs in your life? Right, right, exactly. And then I ask a question too, and I usually ask, how do they feel about cheating? And based mm-hmm. upon that response, <laughs> then I usually kind of know which way I want to go. You know, if, if you're someone that believes everybody cheats, you're part of everybody. so I can pretty much move on because if somebody were to ask me that question hey Ashley do you believe that everybody cheats my answer would be no Mm -hmm. because I don't right but if I respond yeah everybody cheats well then that's saying a lot that's saying a lot lot. oh my goodness (laughs) so you are filtering people out kind of in this talking to them stage I filter a lot of people out just based on profiles well yeah I do that too I do that too but what do you so what what are some of the things that you that are that are things that you will be like no I'm I'm not going to swipe 
on this person on their profile? What are some things that you look for? Um, if they don't say much about themselves mm-hmm. on their profile, you know, if they have one word responses or no responses mm-hmm. to some of the questions, because mm-hmm. that's an opportunity for you to get, you know, you know, to start getting an idea of who someone is. And for someone who doesn't, you know, use that space wisely mm-hmm. or just to tell me anything at all, I'm likely not going to match. So if somebody doesn't fill out their entire profile, like, okay, what's going on? What are you hiding? Mm Because there's a lot of opportunities to talk about yourself on your profile and give someone an idea of who you are. So if somebody doesn't say anything on their profile, Mm -hmm. I was talking to another friend. We're like, that means they probably don't have anything to say. (laughs) (laughs) I guess you're right. And and it might just be laziness too. You know, something like you couldn't take five minutes just to write a little something on your profile yeah. so yeah yeah. I, yeah yeah and also when when people use their profile to rant about what they don't uh, like that other people do like, that's a huge don't red message flag. me if you're not gonna say oh anything. my god yes quickest way for me to swipe the other right. direction you yeah. could have you could have used that to tell me something that you like something right. that you're interested in you know a connection point right, right. but that doesn't tell me anything yeah and I get that you might be frustrated with dating but don't have that be our introduction. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. you're trying to find somebody. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah. Um, what else people with really dark pictures or they, <laughs> I mean, you know, just have some, have some good pictures or you look different. I can tell your pictures are 10 years old. Oh my God. Yes. Yes. Oh, I, I, I got, I got tricked that way too by mm. a guy that had some really, really old pictures. And so when we met up, I don't know why people do that because eventually I'm going to have to meet you. And right. if you don't look like these pictures, it's going to be a problem. So I went on a date with a guy maybe maybe three months ago, and he was way thinner on, on the profile. And when he showed up, he was about a solid 40 to 50 pounds heavier than he was on his profile. And as soon as he walked through the door, I knew he could tell on my face because I was just like, Right. What happened? Right. Especially if you're You've like eaten. Right. Which, which is fine. Right. That's like, fine. But be, you need to be with the people that want to be with your size. Like, right. I, and be like, put what you look like yeah, on your profile. Because you're going to have to show up. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, don't do that. Now you're going to be embarrassed. Because when he walked in, I was like, mm <laughs> I know. And I don't, I don't have my facial expressions well at all. Like, I tell <laughs> I you, it's know. all in my face. I, I have zero poker face. So, you know, so the next week we were going to a movie. So now it's like two hours we're spending with each other when I know for sure when this is over, I'm never going to talk to you again. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I've I've fallen for the old pictures in the profile yeah because one, one thing i try to do is do some type of video chat with somebody before oh, I meet up. But, like so before check. the date you before do a video date, chat yeah, okay let's at least have a vi- at the very least a phone conversation kind okay of like a vibe check okay <laughs> one person called me i was like is this a screening interview and i'm like well <laughs> technically yes, yes yeah it is it is, yeah, that it is. Uh, it is. <laughs> um but yeah i try to do a vibe check before okay. and i think that has helped me stay out of potentially dangerous situations yeah, to, um, yeah. or people who are you know catfishing or being deceptive because yeah. people might not be interested in that yeah. that also tells me um if people are going to be accepting of my boundaries right mm. if they have a problem with wanting to have a conversation before meeting yeah that helps me weed out a lot of people as well because I haven't had too many really terrible dating experiences on the okay. app like I've dealt with 
some of the the trends that are happening in terms of ghosting or this mm-hmm. slow fading. Yeah. You know, I've dealt with that. But in terms of just really like dangerous or bad experiences, I haven't had too many of those. Mm-hmm. And I honestly, I think it's because, again, kind of being married and being in a bad situation, you know all the yeah. things yeah. to look for. Mm-hmm. And I'm super committed to doing something different. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's one thing. Divorce really gives you a lot of courage in saying no, right? Yes. You're not too hung up on, oh, what if there's not going to be anybody else, right? Like, it gives you a lot of courage in mm-hmm. that process. So even if you don't maybe don't have any prospects and you have somebody that's giving you attention, but you don't really like them, yeah. you know, are you going to be willing to have them be around just to have somebody or are you willing to, you know, say no and do better for yourself? Divorce has definitely given me that, mm-hmm. that confidence. Cause I talk to friends who have not necessarily been married and really struggle with those things. And I think it's given me this extra level of, ability to say no and move yeah. on. When yeah, I agree with you with that. Cause I think it gives, when you've been through the worst, <laughs> you, you, you are, you're not going to rush into anything. You know, you're, it gives you more clarity to say, I can be patient with the dating process. And I think that's, you know, I hate to call it divorce privilege, but I guess it, I guess mm-hmm. it kind of is mm-hmm. in a way, you yeah. know, is that my approach to dating because I have been through bad, I am very patient with the process because I know what happens when you rush it. I know what happens when you ignore red flags, when you don't pay attention to the things and you end up in relationship with someone who's the complete opposite of what you want in your life. So I'm really good with being single. Like I'm happy. I'm at peace with it. My life is bomb. Like Mm -hmm. it's, it's wonderful. So what I'm looking for when a guy, when a guy asked me, you know, Ashley, what are you looking for? One of the first things I say, I'm just looking for the cherry on the top because Mm -hmm. my life is really good. So I'm not rushing and dating in desperation because I'm very happy with my life. And I know what it looks like to be with somebody and it's not good. So I don't have to feel rushed. So I'm good with like waiting for the right person. So I think that's, that's the privilege of being in something really bad and, and having the, the courage to get out is that now I have the courage in my dating life to say, nah, mm-hmm. I'm, good. Mm-hmm. I'm good. Yeah. 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 Pretty quickly. I think that's a good tip for folks who are dating in terms of being patient with the process, yeah. understanding that there is going to be disappointment, yeah. right. And frustration because you are ideally, you're going to meet a lot of people in dating mm-hmm. and, everybody's not going to be somebody you want to continue to talk to or right. everybody's not even going to be somebody you actually like, you right. know? Um, but you have to have the patience, you know, is to do it successfully. You have to have the patience and kind of the tolerance to weather the disappointment. Right? right. And not necessarily make it about you or make it a bigger deal than it is. Right. Like don't spiral to the place of, is anybody ever going to love me? Right? Mm-hmm. No, you're, you're, you're looking for that and you're dating. Right. But it doesn't <laughs> have to be that big of a deal, but there is going to be disappointment, right. Right. To acknowledge throughout the process. Yeah. And one of the things I tell people too, to, to kind of lessen the, the thought process around disappointment is just saying that dating is just an opportunity to meet people. You know, approach it as that. Don't get so hung up on, is this person the one, is this going to be my next, you know, husband or wife or is this going to be my next long-term relationship just look at it as I'm meeting somebody I've had plenty of dates with people where there was zero 
uh, compatibility from a romantic standpoint, but we're really good friends. Mm -hmm. Like I still reach out to him and say, Hey, what's going on? How are you? You know, let's go out for drinks. Let's hang out. I've had dates with people that have connected me to other people that I've used for my business that I've been able to hang out with or have connected me and expanded my network. So if you approach it, it's just, it's just an opportunity to meet somebody. You take the stress off of it. And if you don't like that person, eh, it's okay. You know, I also tell people in the dating process to not make your first date a long date. Mm, mm. Make your first date be like, we're going to meet up for coffee or we're going to go out for lunch to where there is a short amount of time to where maybe it's just an hour. If you, if your first date is we're going out to dinner or we're going out to something to where you're going to keep yourself captured (laughs) for two to three hours Mm -hmm. with somebody that you know, you don't like. Mm -hmm. So I think that first date is a good kind of filter too to see if this is somebody because you may vibe on the phone, yeah. you may vibe on the video chat, but then when you get in front of that person, it may not feel the same. Mm-hmm. But if you keep it to where it's a light date, hey, we go out for dessert. Maybe we just go yeah. get, you know, coffee and a muffin or go for ice cream. Mm-hmm. You know, keep it light on that mm-hmm. first date mm-hmm. just to be a good vibe check yeah. because you don't want to keep yourself in a situation to where, especially if you're with someone that, that feels like because they spend a lot of money on you, that they're owed something. Mm-hmm. So keep it to where it's light, to where it's like, hey, you only spent $5 or $10 or $20 at the most, so where you don't feel like I owe you anything. Mm-hmm. you know. So mm-hmm. I tell people over that first date, keep it light. Keep it short, short and okay. sweet. Don't put yourself into a situation to where you're stuck with somebody that you know you don't like for two hours. Mm -hmm. That's good. And it also can help people not to get too attached to whatever the outcome is. Because I think what can happen when you're dating is, you know, you have this ideal of what you want Mm -hmm. and this life that you want. And you see every person you're dating as somebody to get you there. Mm. And you can begin to attach that dream to that person that you don't even know yet. Right. And so being unattached is a big thing that I tell people about who ask me about dating. Like, you know, try to have fun in the process. Mm -hmm. And obviously you have a goal in mind, but don't attach it to that person. Yeah. When you don't know them yet, right? And I like the idea of having a really low pressure first date situation Mm -hmm. so that one, like you said, you know, you can kind of see how it goes, but also, you know, you keep it lighter for yourself, Mm -hmm. right? And like, just keep in mind kind of what the goal is and what the opportunity is in front of you, which is meeting somebody new. Right. right? And I think you're more relaxed that way too. Mm -hmm. You know, if you... If your first date is at Vic and Anthony's, you know, then it's like, first of all, the pressure is really high now. We're at a fancy restaurant. This person is paying all this money to spend time with me. Now the pressure is kind of going up, you know. But if you keep it light, you're more likely to relax, to be yourself. Hey, we're just meeting for coffee. Mm-hmm. And and it takes that stress and anxiety of off of it, like you said, trying to determine, is this the one? It's like, no, we're just going out for coffee or yeah. just, you know, we're going to have a little quick muffin or a piece of cake or something mm-hmm. and go home. And if we like each other, then we'll do something longer on the next day. Yeah. And even if it is Vic and Anthony's, I mean, just keep in mind. On the first date. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I, I guess I'm just saying I want people to keep the framework in, in mind, right? Not necessarily the rules because maybe, you know, 
that's like that. Might I think be that's a lot want. for a first date. It's, it it might be a lot, but for me, I also like to do dates, first dates that I enjoy, some activity okay. that I know I'm gonna have fun doing, or some yeah. restaurant oh, yeah. I know I wanted to go to. So even if the company isn't great, I'm gonna have a good experience. Yeah, right. So you can always keep those things in mind. Yeah, for sure. W- you know, no matter the setting for yeah. for that first date. Yeah, no, that's I think that's good. That's good. What are some other tips that you would give folks for dating? Just generally, either post-divorce or just in general? Just in general, I would just say just to take your time, just to not rush through the process, and just to, to really go in it with your eyes completely open and and to not get frustrated if you feel like everybody is not really checking all the boxes because once you become at a better place in your life where you understand who you are, what you want, what you need to be happy in a loving relationship, you're naturally going to shrink the pool that -hmm. qualifies for what you need. So you shouldn't have a hundred people that qualify to date you. It should be more like five, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. out of the 100 people you meet, only maybe five or four should really fit the bill because you have to have clarity and truly what you want. And once you meet yourself in a place of healthy relationships, of healthy love, of understanding what your personal boundaries are, what you're willing to accept and not accept from relationship, the, the pool of people that are acceptable for your life should shrink. Mm. So it shouldn't be a lot of people that are available to have full access to you. And I think some people will tend to get that wrong. So we're like, I can't find anybody. Well, that's probably a good thing. That means the people that aren't for you are running the other direction Mm -hmm. because we're not looking for quantity. We're looking for quality. Mm -hmm. And so we don't want a whole bunch of people knocking at your door. We want the good quality five Mm -hmm. knocking at your door. And then you can, you know, figure out out of those people, which ones are good to be with partners for that part of your life. Um, So that, and then just to understand one thing that I have taught myself and I continue to work with and I tell my, my clients this that I coach is that understanding that the beautiful part of love is its freedom. Mm-hmm. It's freedom to make a choice for yourself. Freedom to understand that people don't have to be with you if they don't want to be with you. Mm-hmm. You can't hold on to anybody that doesn't want to be held on to. So understanding that when you go into finding relationships that yeah you have the freedom to decide with you what you want but that other person also has the freedom to decide what they want as well so just going in there with an open mind an open heart and just being open to the experience and not putting so much pressure on what it is just allow things to be Mm -hmm. you know know what your end goal is and what you want but don't put so much pressure on is this my person Mm -hmm. you know it's like Technically, nobody belongs to us. Right. We only belong to ourselves. And just get more involved in finding somebody that's a good partner on your journey. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. I would say for folks to be clear about what they're looking for in a romantic relationship or a partner, what you're looking for from dating, and be careful about making that kind of the only way you can get your relational needs met. Mm -hmm. 
be clear about what is it that you desire? What is it that you think you're going to get from this dating relationship? Mm -hmm. Like for me, I had this revelation kind of toward the end of last year that I've been really craving affection Mm. and the way that I grew up affection was really highly sexualized, Ah. right? And saying, Oh, like kissing and all of that really close physical intimacy is only for marriage. And so it really sexualized all types of physical intimacy for me. And so I'd been craving affection and I realized I was pushing, putting pressure on every potential person that I would meet to be like, okay, you're the person that can fulfill this need. But when I was able to say, okay, I'm looking for affection. I'm like, what are other healthy ways I can get affection in my life now? Right. I don't have to wait for that. How can I give more hugs to my family and my friends, you know, my nephew for, you know, pets or whatever. How can I just get more affection and care in my life? Right. And not put pressure on every situation because that was putting me in this space where I was more willing to overlook things that I knew didn't align with what I wanted mm-hmm. um, just because I was trying to get this other need met. Okay. So when I was like, okay, no, let me get this, let me get this affection I'm craving. It doesn't have to be from somebody I'm dating. Like that would be great. Right. Obviously I want that, Yeah, but it doesn't have to be just from that person. And so being clear about that really helped me, you know, get what I was needing and just, yeah. it put, I put a lot less pressure on the dating process and really, really felt free to explore mm-hmm. and, you know, that's, that was really transformational for me. Yeah. That's good. I love that. Mm-hmm. I love that. Um, let's see. Do we want to move to coaching corner? Yeah, I think so. Bah, 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 bah. Coaching corner. <laughs> <laughs> love it. So, um, one of the questions that I get often from folks is what are some things that you can do to prepare for divorce specifically if you already you know you want to get divorced or you're pretty sure and you don't know what you should do what are some things to do so I'm also an attorney and I've done some um, divorce and family law things so I've helped some people get set up that way so there's some things you can think about um you should contact an attorney in whatever state you're in or whatever jurisdiction you're in to see kind of what are your rights and obligations when it comes to getting divorced. Um, And you also want to ask, you know, kind of once you file for divorce, are there things that you have to avoid doing? And so maybe there's some things you should get in order, whether that's, you know, maybe a will or Mm. a power of attorney, right? If you know you're going to be divorcing someone, would you want them making decisions for you if something happens, right? So getting those types of documents in place, getting your support system, you know, who are the people that really love you and care about you regardless of your relationship status, right? People that are not going to be, oh, that's so sad. How can I? No, they're going to be supportive of you and what you need, right? They're going to be team you. Um, and then also think about your own finances. What is that going to look like? Are you going to need to get a job? Do you need to go ahead and get a separate bank account, move your direct deposit over, you know, just some practical things like that. And then what is your plan for leaving? If you're like pretty settled, but you don't quite know what is going to be the, the, the date or the event that says, okay, this is when I'm leaving, Mm -hmm. you know, just get, so get your plan in place and get, get your people in place make sure that you have your support system from the legal side, the financial side, and your family and friends, again, that are going to love and support you regardless. Notice I didn't say tell your spouse because <laughs> depending on the situation, yeah, you true. know, that may not be something you need to loop them in on, right? Yeah. That you may be something where you want to keep your cards close to your chest. Mm-hmm. 
um, so that you're able to plan without, you know, harassment or pressure or other things like that. Okay. That's, that's great advice. I love it. I think one of the things you said that resonated the most with me was just to pretty much just activate your community. You know, once that you're getting prepared for this, you know, divorce is such an emotional thing to do. You know, even if it's the right thing, it's still an emotional process and having people around that are supporting you, that love you, that you know are going to be there for you is crucial for you to do this in a way that you do it without being hurt in the end. So mm-hmm. I think just having that community and that support is, is key. Yeah. All right. Now we've got our window seat. Yes. Um, actually don't have a window seat. You don't have a window seat today? I want to give somebody an aisle seat. Oh, who's getting hit with the cart today? Well, this isn't even a person. <laughs> it's it's a it's a thing. Okay. Um I want to give this aisle seat to reality dating shows and going oh, downhill. See, yeah. I'm a fan. I, I like a good reality dating show. Like mm-hmm. Married at First Sight, I was all in on the very first Me season. Me too, yeah. Yeah, I watched it from the beginning. Um, Love is Blind, too, first yes, season. Yes, yes. Lauren and Cameron. Yes, loved I love them. Loved them. to see their story. But what happens with these shows, what I've been noticing is that when they get popular – the producers, they try to do too much. Mm. They, so it, with Married at First Sight, for example, the show used to be one hour. It's now two hours. Oh, The seasons are way longer. You know, there's so many more commercials, and they put extra in it that we don't need, mm. you know? And they just, I, I want to see the story. Y'all are just trying to, like, latch on to this popularity and do more and more. We don't want more. <laughs> We didn't ask for this. Yeah, we liked it at the beginning. <laughs> Do that again. Right. Even like, with the season of Love is Blind, this last or the, the last two, mm-hmm. I feel like I didn't really see the chemistry of the couples. I didn't see that piece of it. I'm like, why are y'all proposing? Yeah. You know, do y'all even like each other? I didn't even, I didn't see any of that. Right. Right. And maybe they do. So I don't know if it's production or now people just kind of seeing that you can kind of get some clout or whatever from being on the shows might be a combination of things. Mm -hmm. You know, just the quality of the shows it's, it's getting annoying. I wanted to watch um, the perfect match on, I think it's called that on Netflix with people from all the different reality shows. Oh, and, and, you know, they were trying to make connections, but I couldn't get through it. It was too, they dragged it out way too much. Mm. I don't need the episodes to be that long. Y'all are trying to drum up drama. (laughs) That's not what I want want it right, right right go back to do what we like right if it ain't broke don't try to fix it right yeah. I just I hate that if we like it just do the same thing again right <laughs> <laughs> I feel you I feel you so they that gets the aisle seat that gets the aisle seat, the aisle seat. you know I don't I don't have a, a window seat this week either but my aisle seat sadly goes to the second season of Harlem oh no absolutely hated it Ooh, oh, my God. Hate. Oh, I hated it. God, I mean, it's like, oh, I hated it. Could not stand it. Um, and, and one of the major reasons is because I did not like the fact that it was, it has been touted as a black version of Sex in the City. Mm. I don't like for us to compare our things to anybody else. Mm. Why can't it just be a standalone show? Why does it have to be a comparison to something else? And... Because Harlem did not start off as a show based about sex. Now, are sexual things discussed? 
in the manner of how these black women live their lives. Of course, mm-hmm. it's a part of life. But Sex in the City was based a lot about sex in the city. Harlem is not about sex in Harlem. Yeah, Harlem yeah. is about these black women living their lives, trying to find success, trying to find happiness, trying to find love in a way that is true to who they are. It's growing up. It's finding out who you are, how what that looks like, what that looks like as being a black woman with the back setting mm-hmm. of being Harlem. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought so much of Sex in the City, the city was such a part of the show. And if Harlem is the back the backdrop of this show, I don't think you should compare that to mm-hmm. Sex in the City. Um I think you should leave it alone and let it be what it is. I hate that everything that we have that we do as a community has to be contrasted to our other counterparts mm-hmm. contrasted to mm-hmm. white white society why can't harlem just be harlem yeah you know yeah. and i i thought the storylines were weak um i thought the writing was lazy yeah i hated the ending it, yeah let's not spoil it i'm not okay i'm just saying i yeah. hated the ending yeah i thought the ending it was a cliffhanger um I just, I didn't like it, and I, I wanted more. I The first season, I thought, had way more depth. Um, I thought it gave the characters way more room to breathe and grow, and I thought we would see that growth in season two, and I felt that the characters regressed. I think it's uh, another case of we liked it first season, so y'all try to do too much. Do too much. Do too yeah, much because yeah. they were really caricatures. Yes, they season. they felt like clowns. Yeah, yeah, I didn't Every like single it. Main character, yes, felt like a clown. I'm and like, I'm, I don't know anybody that could fit into any of these archetypes. No, no, and I, I, I felt like this season I could not relate to not a single character. And one of the things that that drew me to the show was being able to find elements in all of those characters mm-hmm. that I could see in myself. Yeah, and in season two, I didn't see me. And I think it missed the mark. And so sadly, I have to put the second season of Harlem in the back of the plane by the restroom. Mm-hmm. In the aisle. In, in the, the aisle. seat that doesn't recline. In the seat that doesn't recline. So I'm hoping that season three will will do me better. And Are you going to watch it? I mean, I'm definitely going to watch it. I mean, I'm committed now, you know. <laughs> you know, I feel like I have to. I'm still a fan, you know, and I still love, of course, anything that gives African-American women, an opportunity to highlight their talents and shows us in a positive light. I'm always going to support, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't negative. I just felt like it could have been better. It was and disappointing. It, it was disappointing. Yeah. But of course, I'm still a fan. I still love all of the characters. I'm just hoping that the writers of season three will do better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Well, all right, y'all. That's the end of this trip. Hope y'all enjoyed the flight. What's up, everybody? Find us on Instagram at Love Is A Trip Podcast. Send us a DM, follow us, and keep staying for the journey.